Why, though? It doesn't taste good. It doesn't taste bad. It doesn't taste good. So it tastes neutral? No. So it, it tastes bad? Yeah. No. I think that math checks out. Mind Gap Podcast. Guys, welcome to Mind Gap. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And I did a very generous thing, Justin. I let Justin take a sip of water before I introed us. Because that could have been that could have spelled disaster for uh, the intro. Yeah. And for my microphone. And oftentimes I do that. I have this really great talent of asking someone a question right as they're taking a sip or right as they put food in their mouth. I'm like, ha ha! Gotcha! Question, then they're like, mm, mm, mm. I'm like, oh, I know. I know what I just did. Oh, I know. I'm well aware of the predicament I've just put you I do this predicament. Predicament all the time. In. So you're welcome. So challenge accepted. All right. Guys, welcome back. I'm Justin. I am Doug still. And uh, it's been a week. Yes, it has. It's been, it's been one hell of a week. It's been a long weekend. It was wonderful. It was relaxing. I played a shit ton of video games. It was awesome. I did not. I did not have the similar experience. Sounds like you did. I did not. Sounds like I did not have a a relaxing weekend per se. It sounds like you ran eighteen miles. I ran well. Yes, on Saturday I was. Uh, I we did a sketch shoot uh, with uh, two wonderful human beings, Matt uh, Lamson and Chris Vellucci. I almost said Matt Vellucci and Chris Lamson. Oh, but that could work too. Yeah. Uh, we got another show coming up at Second City, the Chris and Matt show, round two. And I don't know if that's what it's called, but it is the Chris and Matt show again. Um, and we did a, a sketch video with them, and that was awesome. Um, but it was it was ba- there was a, a significant number of people and extras involved in that, and so it was uh, it was a thing. Uh, then Sunday I ran my eighteen, uh, and then uh, you getting it in. You guys came over. Yeah, we hung out for a while, and then I he means me, else. listeners, not you guys, because obviously yeah. you weren't there. He's talking about me. You didn't come over. Yeah. You came over. That's right, but not you. Yeah, you did. Yeah, not you. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I did something else on Sunday, but I can't remember. Then on Monday we had an, I did a we did another shoot, uh, which was uh, I did solo, and it was it was a six hour shoot, and I was very tired by the end. So yeah, it was. Uh, I I kind of wish I'm very looking I'm very much looking forward to when I actually have a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah! Sounds like it's productive, though. It was. It was very productive. I had fun shooting. I mean, I enjoy shooting. It's just... I was very, very tired. Yeah. <laughs> I just really, uh, really could use a day off. Yeah. We, uh, we, were, we were rocking and rolling all weekend. It was great. Yeah. It was just, you know, I played a shit ton of games. Yeah. It felt good. Sounds, uh, sounds exhausting for you. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I haven't done that in a while. I was like, woo! Staying up till one, playing games! Did you stay up till one? Twice. You son of a bitch. I was like, dadgum. This is like the good old days. Yeah, dad gum, dad's gone. Yeah, right? Yeah. Woo! Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Watched Moana a shit ton because that's all Nelly wants to watch. Although... That doesn't impress me. Uh, <laughs> I'm working in How to Train Your Dragon. Now, okay. Because that's one of my favorite movies. Is it really? That's yeah, it's a great movie. It's not even a Disney movie, nope, Doug. It's not, and it's excellent. It's really? It's really, really good. Hmm. It's got dragons in it. Today, I don't know if I trust that. Yeah. Today, when she was watching before I came over, she kind of got scared a little bit of the dragons. I'm Did like, she? I'm like, no, they go, rawr! And she's like, rawr! It's adorable. You're... Yeah. 
I was gonna say you're scarring your daughter. Yeah. After all the complexes you gave her on Sunday. Yeah, right. You're scar. You're still continuing to scar her. Yeah, I do what I do. Yeah, yeah. She's great. <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, she's cool. She's totally a cool kid. Knows yeah. way too much. Just she knows too much. She's. Like I was cooking dinner tonight, and she was just flipping through one of her books. It was like of babies. One faces. of her magazines. <laughs> one of her magazines. Seventeen. Whatever. Cosmo. Something like that. Yeah, and uh, it was like all these babies' faces, and it was like a word describing you know, like the emotion. Mm-hmm. And she, I just noticed she was just laughing. She's like, ah! And I'm like peek over, and she's pointing at the kid that's laughing. And then she pointed the next one over there with the kid that's crying, and she goes crying. I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? You just said cr- what? And then she went to the end, and there was a baby that was sleeping, and she kind of, like, waved at me, like, night-night. That's usually what she does as she waves. Wow. And I was like, My daughter's how do you know all of this? Like, you should know all these things. Like, this is crazy. Well, I, it never ceases to amaze. I don't know how kids work. I don't either. Personally. Um, I don't have one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know really how they work. They're, they kind of remain a mystery to me. Uh, I don't know any of the mile markers, like, where they're, I don't su- where they're supposed to know whatever they're supposed to know. So it always weirds me out in a great way, but it always weirds me out when I see a kid who is your daughter's age and they say and they understand you say something to them and they get it and they respond back. It freaks legitimately freaks me out because I'm like, how are you communicating? And how much she understands. Right. Like I told you the other day, like how one day she dropped her her bottle of water on the ground and I was just being really dramatic. I go, why? Why? And she's kind of stared at me. You being dramatic, no. right? And then tonight she dropped it, and I go, oh. and she goes, "Why?" I'm like, "Fuck, yeah!" And I go, "Yeah, why?" <laughs> but man, do you have to watch yourself? I know you have got to watch. She's if she's uh, if she's going to do the mirror, the mimicking uh, game. Yeah, she will be. Let me tell you who needs to pay attention. It's also Jill. Jill needs to a little potty mouth. Jill, a little potty mouth. Jill needs to watch that stuff also. <laughs> So, but yeah, she understands so much. And yeah. I, if all I know is that, like, in a year they should be walking, at two years they start potty training, at three years they should have a, a, a well developed four hundred one k. At three years, you know, they actually have a pretty decent vocabulary or have from the kids that I've talked to. There are three they can speak usually pretty well. Yeah. So those are only the mile markers I know. <clears throat> at eighteen months, I'm like, are you good or I don't know what's happening. But right. you seem to understand a lot. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely, it's awesome, but it's also like, Jesus Christ, how do you know this? How is that possible? And she goes, Jesus Christ. She goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then she just goes, fucking globalists. <laughs> Goddamn globalists. Oh, no, you're a mini Alex Jones. Yeah. I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, world. Another Alex Jones. I've, uh, look at the rot I've brought on to you. Yeah. Speaking of Alex Jones, uh, that Tommy Lauren girl that Sydney yeah. loves so much, apparently she got a job in Fox News. Did she? Yeah, good. Seems like a perfect fit. They needed to fit. They need. They. They. With the loss of Megyn Kelly, they needed someone to fit the bill. And uh, uh, I think she's willing to do whatever it takes to be, you know, on 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 something like that. We'll see how long that lasts. It's a perfect fit for her, right? Just, no, I. But yeah. we'll see how long she's willing to do whatever it takes. Oh, she and, is. Like I, I often wonder if the people if people hit a moral like. Fuck, I can't do. I just can't do this anymore. I don't see her as a very genuine person at all. That's fair. So That's I very see her fair. as someone who's like, ah, whatever. I'll do whatever I needs to be said to right. incite rage. She's like, I'm cute and I'm blonde, so if that's going to get... get me a lot of you yep. know looks and stuff like that, which I'm like, whatever. Yep, yep, you yep, know. Yep, yep. But I just don't see her as a genuine person. No, I don't either at all. I think that's what's frustrating a lot for me, just with people in general. Is like, if if I don't see them as a genuine person, like, it's so funny. I keep <laughs> keep relating things back to games. 
Like shocking, right? Uh, there's this game called uh, Total War, and uh, also games like Civilization, where you as a leader, cultures. also what you like to call cultures, um, where you as a leader, if you take an action that is like, say, I just decide to go to war with someone, even though we have an alliance. Um, if I do that, I'm going to be labeled as untrustworthy for a long time. Like people are going to look at me as unreliable. <laughs> like in they're, the game, yeah, you're 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 noted my, as untrustworthy. Whatever, yeah, they're like this guy. He breaks stuff. He's 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 not reliable. So that's going to hurt my reputation. All right. With other people, I find that pretty much exists in real life too. Like you've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed that if someone breaks a promise, right, or an agreement, you feel slighted and you don't trust that person. You're like, mm, like imagine. I haven't trusted you for years. I know, right? I'm just slowly working it back. Yeah. You know, it's like it feels that way in customer service sometimes, too. You feel like the company that you're trying to you know, purchase something from, if, if they don't take care of you, you're like, man, I feel like there's some sort of agreement that has been tarnished, that right. we can no longer do business together because we've hurt that trust between us. And I feel like someone like her is very much like that. I look at her and I'm like, mm, I don't trust you. Because it feels like you're willing to say whatever needs to be said, like most politicians and also specifically Trump, you know, someone who's willing to really say whatever he needs to say and, which is funny because they're like, we don't need more of the same. I'm like, you pretty much got more of the same. Right. Um, you know, a guy who's just like, whatever, I'll say whatever needs to be done. I don't, I don't, I don't believe him. Right. I don't think he believes in anything. I really don't know what he believes in other than that he wants to be number one. He truly is a competitive person that just wants to be number one. Right. No, yeah. He's a narcissistic sociopath. And that's the thing. I, and I look, but I look at someone like that and I was like, I can't believe anything that you say and right. I don't trust you. And therefore, it's infuriating when they do say something. I'm like, I, it, it, maybe they're trying to be earnest. I'm like, I, I can't tell. Right. And, and that's what upsets me when I, I see a lot of that stuff. Unfortunately, I don't know too many per- people like that on a personal level. Yeah. Because if I do, I'm like, you're not, you're not going to be in my life. Because I'm like, nope. You don't have time for that. No. No, I don't <clears> have time for that. Yeah. Unless you're related to him and it's like, shit, we got to do this <laughs> every Thanksgiving for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I don't think I know too many people who are um, – who, who – will just say something in order to get ahead. Like I I know people who I definitely disagree with what they stand for or what their beliefs are where we don't line up in that regard, but sure. I don't I I don't know none of those people do I feel would just say something in order to I don't know, get attention or to further them. I feel like whatever they're saying truly is what they feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I've uh, I have a friend that's going through um, some tough work stuff right now, and they their work culture is very much like um, they're customer focused, right? And they do not give a shit about their employees. Sure, like they do not care. It's always people are like, "What can I use you for to get ahead?" Right. And as soon as you're not usable, I'm like, mm, "We'll just replace someone. We'll replace you, and then that same day kick you out." And that it's like sucks. I was like, "Talk about a toxic environment!" Like. You're fine as long as you can produce value, but the second you don't, you're replaceable. Right. Or you're willing to step on other people to get to where you need to. And I'm like, how does that inspire leadership? It doesn't. Like, this person's like, I will cut you down to get ahead. And right. then they come to the top of the pile, and I'm like, that's going to be pretty lonely because pe- people are going to be doing the same thing to get to your spot. It's right. like, how does that – people aren't staying. You basically have hired mercenaries. Right. It just perpetuates. It's a terrible culture yeah, to live in. Yeah. Horrible culture. I was like, who wants to deal with that bullshit? Yeah. Because I feel like in my work environment, I trust people. Like, I trust people at their word. And, you know, there are some people that aren't as reliable. But for the most part, I'm like, I believe in what we're doing. And I believe in our leadership. And I believe that 
you know, right now I'm, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people rise to the ranks that deserve it. And I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm on board for that. Like, this makes sense. And people are generating ideas and they're sharing that sort of stuff. I'm like, cool. This is a good environment to be a part of. But man, to be a part of an an environment where it's like kill or be killed. I'm like, "Mm -mm, thank you. Right. No, thanks. I don't want to do that. I'm out. I don't, I don't need that in my life. Yeah. That's, that's so stressful. And and I just, I think I'm at a stage in my life. I don't know if, I don't know if I've always been this way or not, but I'm just like, "Mm, I need to be in an environment where I can trust people. Yeah. Like where I feel like people are genuine and sincere. So you think like the the cutthroat business world, not a place where you would, uh, where you would want to hang your hat? I I think you may be successful in that, but I don't think you're going to be happy and it's going to be lonely because you can't trust anybody. Right. It's it's a truly lonely existence, and maybe maybe if you're willing to make butt tons of money and be the only one at the top, okay. But that's a lonely existence, man, because people aren't going to trust you. You're not going to trust them. Oh, you can buy friends if you've got a butt ton of money. You sure can, but as soon as that money runs out, they're not your friends anymore. Right? You just don't. But you don't stop making it then. <laughs> exactly. Easy. So you keep, Next, you keep burying people and taking that right. stuff. And I'm like, no way. Until you're standing alone at the top of a pile of bodies. Yeah, that sounds awful. That sounds like no fun Awfully at all. Awfully awesome. Right? I think that, I mean, I have no idea, but I mean, I, I feel like that was definitely a regular culture for a lot of places. And I feel like that's the exception now and not the rule. I could be wrong. Were you I've talking no about studies. like in the 90s or the 80s or? Ah, uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, pick one. I mean, I feel like it's it's getting to the point now where people realize that the traditional business structures really don't hold up to that sort of stuff. Like you're not going to get the best productivity. Um, you're not going to have. Uh, Are you thinking of the opening of the Wolf of Wall Street at this point? <laughs> like that's kind of what I. That's I've what I'm. Seen pi- that movie once. That's what I'm picturing right now. Like when he first gets when he gets his first trading job, mm-hmm. like yeah, that I, kind of like environment where everyone's just fucking clawing at each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's also a sales environment unto itself. You know, obviously, you know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You know, right. You know, first person gets a car, second person gets a set of steak knives, third person gets fired. You know, like that's what it is. And I'm like, mm, no. I don't like that environment, but I also kind of just feel like a general corporate world. That's yeah. kind of what it was. Like you had to make these moves and stuff like that. I'm like, ah, that's just not who I am. I'm a terrible negotiator because I'm too honest and too sincere. I'm just like, nah, okay, that's cool. Right. Like I just don't, I don't, I have no desire to play that dance. And you've got to sort of, you got to push and fight for it. Nah, mm-hmm. I don't want to. Well, because really, what that is, it's uh, it's a battle of wills and attrition, and I'm not willing to go through that. I'm like, no. Well, it's also, I mean, it partially is a battle of wills, but I I do think that there's part of it where that is. It's a chess game, <clears throat> and it's positioning yourself and making you know it's making it to your what you just said. It's making the moves like where you got to make moves and you got to figure out. All right, well, this person, <clears throat> if I do this, you know, it will probably prompt this person to do this, and so in that case, then I'll do this, and you've got to be five moves ahead of wherever they're at. And I, there are some people who I think definitely thrive on that. Yeah, skill. it's an exhausting game that I hate playing. Right. Well, and that's the Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. It is exactly. <laughs> I mean, quite simply, that is. Yeah. Yeah. I just. It, I, I know I, I know people who who thrive in that environment. Mm-hmm. There, I still feel like those people are more honest than not, like or more truthful than not with where they stand on stuff. At mm-hmm. least the people that I know. Oh, okay. But I I do know where they're just like they love negotiating. They mm-hmm. love, dare I say, the art of the deal. Sure. Like that that's where their that's what their wheelhouse is, yeah. and they love. They don't feel exhausted by it. They feel empowered by it and emboldened yeah. by it. Well, there's a reason why I'm not in sales. Right. Because I don't do that right. stuff. Right, exactly. I don't, I don't like that. When Jill and I went to go buy our van, I was like, ugh, this fucking sucks. Because I also knew what was happening. That you were buying a van. Well, I knew that I was buying a van. I was like, I know. I knew what was happening. I was like, I, was buying I didn't want to be there because we were at a fucking dealership. The last car we bought was at CarMax. And I'm like, this is great. We just, this is real simple. It's done. 
no problem. Yeah. We don't have to do this. And as soon as the guy was like, you know, because Jill was throwing out the same stuff, and I just feel gross about the whole thing. Yeah. She's like, you know, we are thinking, plan on going to this other dealership, which we were. So we were just kind of curious as to whatever. And then he was like, you know, well, I don't want you to leave. So, you know, what's it going to take to keep you here? And he goes, you know, here's what I can do. He goes, you know what? Why don't you tell me what your price range is? I was like, I know what you're doing. Right. You want me to come in. And you're hoping that I come in high, which I did, right? Because I'm like Jill and I talked about what we were willing to spend, and I'm just like I don't want to do this. Like I don't want to do this whole thing. I'm going to tell you honestly what I'm ready to spend. Yeah. And then I came in, and Jill shot me this look like, "Why'd you do that?" I'm like, "Why the fuck did you ask?" Because she was like, "Doug, why don't you? You're the one who's worried about this. Why don't you come in?" I'm like, "Cool. I'm going to tell him exactly what I think, what I'm willing to pay." <laughs> and she was like, "Ah," and I'm like, "Why did you ask me? Like, why did you do that then?" Right. There's just a bunch of underhanded shit that goes on with that. Like, it's just like this. I would just laugh if you said, like, 20, and she goes, 17! <laughs> and you're like, Jill, it's already out there. She's like, yeah. 17! Yeah. It's just it's just one of those things where there's so many, like, little things. It's like they, they're they baiting you to call them out on stuff, too. Right. Like, Jill was looking for She goes, if you could get out of this, I'd be really happy. He goes, I'll see what I can do. And he was, like, just above it. Right. Like, right. He was just above it. And she's like, and that's the thing. That's the battle of wills. Like, they're making you be like, I said this. You didn't come in. You need to bring that back down. Right. And I'm just like, I don't have the energy. I don't have the interest in doing this. I don't care. But he's sitting behind the desk with yeah. a half chub because he's getting, that's how yes, he gets his rocks off. Exactly. That's what he's there to do. And we were there for like three fucking hours. Nice. And, and most of it, once we even agreed on it, it was just sitting there. Yeah. And just like, and then we had to do the goddamn, and we got put with this weird financing guy, this really weird dude. Yeah, financing like people, a, and those, I don't like them at all. He was in this like wood paneling office. And it was just really odd. And I remember one point, someone trying from to show you his bowling trophies. He had weird like like just sort of golf trophies or something like that. And someone from reception like called his extension, and he picked up the phone. And he goes, "You know, some of us have customers back here." And he just hangs up the phone. He's power move. I was like, Jesus Christ! Won't you be nice to your team here, you fucking psychopath? I was just asking him if he wanted me to place a lunch order. And then he starts going like, you know, HR, because he's like reading our, you know, what we do for yeah. Because we put that nice. Your dossier. He's like, he's like, is that pretty? Is that hard? You deal with people a lot. It's just like Jesus Christ. Is this a small talk? Right. He's sitting there like typing, like chicken pecking, on it as he's doing this sort of stuff. And then he starts like talking. He goes, you know, I always really wanted to be a trainer because I always feel like I was, I'm really good with people. I'm like, really? Based on this phone call you just had from your team member, you, you're like, some of us are on, have customers back here. Don't call back. Click. I was like, uh, I go, well, that's what I do for a living. He goes, oh, you do? I'm like, were you not looking at the thing that said what we do for a living? Like, what the fuck is going on here? Right. Can we leave? Tell us what we need to do so we can leave. Give me my van. Give me the keys to my van, you son of a bitch. Like, just get... I, that's the point. Oh, these are training trophies up here. Is yeah. what these are. Because what, what I like about training is, you know, what people don't realize is, like, you know, you'll get something like an Excel class, and you can put that on your resume. People don't get it. I mean, you can get certified for stuff. People don't it a, get it. He's like, here's my resume. I'm joking. He didn't say that. But he's like, <laughs> look at my resume. Like, look at all the... I put PowerPoint on here. I put Excel. All that's on-site training that I got for free. If he had said that, I would have been like, we're done here. I was just like, oh, my God, get me out of this fucking place. Like, I don't want to be here right. anymore. Like, And I was like, I feel gross that we have to go through that. And it's just not in my nature. I don't like it at all. Right. I fucking hate it. <laughs> that and manual labor. Those are the two things I'm just like, nah, I wasn't made to do this. Yeah. I mean, I'm built for manual labor. I fucking hate it. Yeah. I'm lazy in that regard. Like, I was just watching out of our window at work. Uh, I can see what they were setting up on uh, – 
Oak Street Beach for like the volleyball. Yeah, yeah. And they were tearing it down. And I was like, God, that would fucking suck to set that up. Yeah. And I think the same thing with Lollapalooza. I'm like, fuck, those guys are there setting that shit up. And then they got to tear it down. I worked for a little while when I lived in the Quad Cities. I worked uh, at uh, what was the mark of the Quad Cities, but is now the Wireless Center. And I did did stage handing there. And so... Couple of the, I got to work at the Fleetwood Mac concert, which was pretty cool, and then I got to work the WWE, ah! and I got to actually set up the the ring uh, from the ground up, and actually like put all the the metal um, framework there, and and stretch the tarp over, and and use the giant crescent wrenches to oh nice turn the the buckles on the on the corners, <laughs> and <clears throat> bringing the we had to bring out the ramp from the truck that they all walked down. And I'm not going to lie to you. There was, there must have been 10 to 15 men. Now I was a college yeah. guy. You're a boy. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, you know, yeah. like I was, so I was, you know, maybe 20, you know, yeah. but there were some like dudes on this. If you, if you catch my drift and 15 of us, and I've never felt something so heavy, yeah. Like hovering above my head, like I, and I'm like, if these, like, if one of these men walked away, this would suck. Like yeah. I don't think I could. And I was every Shaking. last ounce of energy I had to get this thing over. And they're like, all right, watch your fingers as you're bringing it down. I'm like, out. <laughs> like, <laughs> see ya. Yeah, I was. So I could not imagine doing something like like setting up or tearing down. For Lala oh. or for this uh, for the volleyball thing, yeah, I couldn't imagine. I've, I had a, t- a small taste of that, and it was insane, just yeah. flat out insane. What you had to what what they go through for that shit. Sure, manual labor depends on what it is. I don't mind it usually, but that kind of shit. Bleh. I'm not good at it for starters. So like, you're I not good at lifting something. I'm not good. Like, I just I'm clumsy. I'm not precise. I'm not careful. I don't know how to put shit together. I was a stage in shortly too. I think I talked about this before for like a few bands at uh, uh, was it the Congress Theater, which I don't think exists anymore. Yeah, but like I remember coming in and like for several days, like helping them set up speakers. I was helping band bands load in and like pack up and load out, and I was like, "This fucking sucks." <laughs> like it was cool to be a part of it because I think I was giving myself rose colored glasses because I'm like, "This is the music industry." Yeah, and this is and I quit my job at the hotel to do this. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm doing this sort of stuff. But I, I really, back in my mind, I'm like, this fucking sucks. Yeah. I'm loading in amps. I'm helping them set up shit. Like, I'm helping them set up lights. Um, I don't know what anything is. Some guy's like, can you have me a couple of those SR70s over there? And I'm like, what are those? He goes, the lights. I'm like, okay, which ones are those? Like, I don't know what anything is. Yeah. So I, was, I felt like I was in the way <laughs> and not helpful. Right. At all. And they're like... Essentially, like, hey, uh, so we need some guys to basically start at six and then stay here. And they're like, anyone want want, want to volunteer for overtime to stay during the show? And then, you know, when that's done, well, if you're not staying, we'll need you to come back so you can help basically break everything down and unload it. It fucking sucked, dude. When I didn't get a call back, you know, I did that for like a week and a half, maybe, maybe two weeks. And then I never got a call back because it was, I was technically an independent contractor. I was like, nah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, good. Yeah. It's like, I was the first one to be like, yeah, I'm not staying here. I'll see you guys back here at that, you know, I had no interest. <laughs> right, right. Whatsoever. Right. See, that surprised me. I would think that you would have stayed and actually watched the show. It depended on what it was. Okay. 
because one of the bands was Guar, and I'm like, I've got to see this show. Like, I've got to see what the fuck these guys do. Right. Because I unloaded their van full of shit. And right. I was like, and we didn't even unload it all. I'm like, look at all the weird things that Just are in crazy here. crazy shit. And I was like, man, uh, I can't tell if these guys are the roadies or whatever. That are, I'm like, when's the band showing up? And I'm like, oh, no, those roadies, those were the band. That yeah, was Guar. Yeah. I got to see them with all their masks on and yeah. shit. And I'm like, what? You're a bunch of fucking nerds. <laughs> I remember everyone was like, told me like, hey, when you work for Guar, wear shitty clothes because yeah. they're going to get blood everywhere and you're not going to want to wear nice That's clothes. Awesome. So be prepared for that. And I remember just watching this guy walk out as a demon and the guy like cuts his wrist and just sprays blood in the crowd. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This <laughs> is so beyond. This is insane. Yeah. And those guys were rocking so hard. And yeah. then, But the cool thing I saw of it too was, those guys did that, and then they loaded their shit back up, and then they left, and they went into the next city. Yeah. I was like, that's a hard life, man. Yeah, yeah. That you're is grinding not, at that point. Because none of the guys that were playing, I mean, some of them were good enough to have like a guy that and a crew of guys that came in with their gear and helped set up the gear. But for the most part, man, it was the bands. The yeah. bands where they're setting up their shit and their own shit. Yeah. And then, you know, living in their, their car with a trailer attached to it. And then they were just driving on to the next place. And that's they were wild, man. Grinding it out. <clears throat> and that's what I think I'd never realized when I started doing music. Like, you get to see the final thing. Yeah. Like people playing for an arena. It's like football players on the professional stage. Yeah. Like these guys are at the pinnacle of what they're doing. Like, dude, I totally want to do that. It's like. You don't realize the work that goes into getting from yeah. point A to point B. It's fucking hard because you need to be an expert in your craft. And that's something I didn't understand about being a musician, Was which is why also I think it, it was pretty much a hobby. Like almost immediately, I'm like, this is fun to do. Yeah. But I'm never going to be a master of my <laughs> – because I don't understand music. Right, right, right. I can't read music that well. Like I used to, but I couldn't anymore. I just played for fun. I was like, if I want to be good, we have to practice every day. Like, we have to get excellent at our instruments. Like, we have to be experts in our instruments. And you have to build that rapport with the people so you can understand how each other works. And um, it's it's it becomes this really unique process on writing music. And I was like, there's no fucking way any of us are going to do that. And not only that, but the risk to do that, to hopefully, you know, pay the bills because of it. I'm like, mm-mm. Nope. Did not sit well with Doug Cochran. Well, I, I, I had a realization. I'm like, this this is not... A simple task like this has to be something where like i don't want to do anything else but this right i want to eat sleep you've got to have breathe. the passion for it you want to, it's it has to be an undeniable passion yeah this surge in my body that's like i need to do this and i'm willing to spend money i'm willing to learn mm-hmm. i'm willing to do whatever it takes to be where i want to be with this and that wasn't there right exactly yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it was there for a little bit i was obsessed with it i had a minor obsession for a while but then i was like eh okay yeah it's more of a hobby you know like that sort of stuff like i had that obsession with comedy which i still do to some extent but not as hot and heavy as i used to did you think you were going to have a full-on career in comedy then because i remember you talked about wanting to like teach potentially classes but i would totally love to do that um but as far as like yeah everyone's like oh you're going to you're taking improv you're gonna go to you're gonna go to snl i'm like no i don't want to do that (laughs) At all. So what was your, I mean, to your, and I mean, I know this is, this is very, very recent history, um, but like when, and and I was there for the whole thing, but the, when you say a minor obsession in comedy, like Mm -hmm. what, I guess to what extent and what changed it? Uh, Well, you changed it, Justin, when you introduced me to it. No, but I I understand (laughs) that, but I'm saying what changed it? Because it sounds like you, you're you're speaking in the past tense. Thank you. 
Well, for, I mean, you're welcome. That's just this, what this, this part of the program is now, me thanking you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Anything I can do to help a friend. No, I was... I and was, gift to the comedy community. I mean, at one point in time, I had something going on every day of the week. I had a 5B show on Sunday. I had rehearsal for a sketch show on Monday. I had, like, I think, imp- separate improv team practice on Tuesday. I had, like, a show on a Wednesday... I think I had podcast on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, Friday night was level six show. Saturday morning was conservatory class. Like, it just. It, it, I remember one point, Jill goes, "We cannot keep doing this." I go, "Fortunately, all this is overlapping at the same time, and these things will stop." Yeah. Like, but right now, it's just like everything was like at a critical mass. I'm yeah. Like, Holy shit! I'm doing something every single day. Yeah. And she's like, "We can't keep doing this." I'm like, "Yeah." And it was awesome because just flexing those muscles, those creative muscles and doing that sort of stuff and just being – having a regular gig that I was proud of and things like that was really very, very exciting. But when you're speaking of it, it sounds like you're speaking of the obsession in the past tense. Mm -hmm. So like what what I'm asking is what turned it for you – not turned it on, but what Mm -hmm. turned you the other way from it? Um, I think when uh, my independent team sort of – you know, shut its doors sure. and disbanded. That was kind of a blow. And then at that point in time, Natalie was there. And I was like, cool, this would be a good time to spend time with the family. But I was like, I don't feel like I'm done. <laughs> a wise decision. Yeah, right? Yeah. I was like, I don't feel like I'm done yet. Because I, I definitely had to sh- pare down what I was doing because I was like, the most I can do is like a rehearsal and a show a week. Right. That's about the most I can do. Um, and that's what I was planning on doing uh, before the improv team split. So... Um, which I was totally like, cool, I can just do this. I can put all my energy into this. It'll be great. Uh, and so that went away. Everything kind of stopped. As much as I had everything going on, everything stopped abruptly too. Right. Like improv team disbanded, uh, conservatory finished. And then I was like, I don't really feel like taking any more classes. I'm kind of done with that for right now. So I was like, ha I was left in this wasteland of nothing. Yeah. I was like, cool, I'll focus on the family, which was actually kind of refreshing. I was like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. Like, I have my nights back. Like, it's kind of good to do this. But then I was like, mm, I didn't end it on my terms. Right. Like, I was like, mm, I still kind of want to do this. I'm like, mm, I feel like I'm losing I'm losing the, the fun. Like, I still kind of want to do it. So I, I, I definitely, that's how I got auditioned for Recess. Right. And, uh, you know, was started doing that stuff again. And it's been fun. Um, but it's definitely not the same yeah. as it was before. It, so is it? It's just like, it's a... Is it more like the honeymoon phase is over in it, or do you think it's like the law of depreciating return? <laughs> um, I think as with anything creative, you got to find the right group of people. Sure, 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 you sure. you got to find the right people that you gel with, that you feel comfortable with, that you can create with, because then it's not a chore. It's not an obligation. It's what you want to do. Sure. And it's something that you choose to do. And I've kind of wavered because it's just finding that right mix of people. And I have I have a mix of people in my mind that I would love to continue working with. But it's like your all star team. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's schedules. You know, sure. people yeah, yeah, are yeah, committed yeah. or or everything like that. I'm like, mm, I'm always like, man, wouldn't it be cool if yeah. I had this and this and this and this? And it's like, if I could fuse that, yeah. What kind of amazing things could we do? Sure. But it's also the point where I don't know if I have the energy to try and do that. Sure, yeah. Because I'm like, I don't know if I can. Someone's got to lead it. Someone's got to organize it. Which I'm all for, but it's exhausting to do that sort of stuff too because you're catering to a lot of things. Yeah. 
And oh, I also I'm trying know. to schedule improvisers is like hurting cats. Even when you have good ones, yeah. it's, it can be difficult. And when you have really, and I mean that with ones, the most love. Oh yeah, it's yeah. the most creative people. It like, is. It's, yeah, it's it's the that's, fucking that, worst. That's what I should say. Yeah, any any creative person is just it's a nightmare to try to schedule. The them. practical side of me just fucking just wants to just <laughs> drop a bomb somewhere because it gets so angry at yeah. how just lax everyone is and how I'm just sitting there going, man, if we could just organize. Five percent better, sure. Even five percent better, the returns we would get on this would be incredible. Yeah. Just I look at this and I'm like, I wonder. Cause it was so funny because during conservatory there was a girl who was in my class who was extremely intelligent, just very like understood. She was super into politics and law. I think she had like a law background, but also business wise, like she would just start going and you're like, Jesus, are you like the rain man of, of like all this sort of stuff? And she talked about how she would love to do a case study on how second city runs its business versus IO versus annoyance. Oh, that'd be cool. She goes, I feel like there's some inefficiencies that could easily be addressed Yeah, that could boost income and, and profit. And I'm like, I bet that would be fascinating. Yeah. And I would love to know that as well, because you can't have one. It's like we talked about with movies, you know, it's like, at one point, you got to have business and the art, but they have to have a healthy mix. And when you have too much of one, if you have too much business and not enough art, it feels like corporate bullshit. If you have too much art, it's insane. Yes. It's fucking batshit crazy where you're like, there's no way you're going to have an audience for right. this sort of crazy. Right. So you got to find that nice balance. But there's some simple things that I'm just like, I, it, it's hard for me to swallow sometimes because I'm like, I'm not the most organized person in the world, but when it comes to like planning things, yeah. putting stuff on the calendar, setting a plan, setting a vision, you know, I don't like just treading water. Sure, I'm going like, all right, some point this will get addressed, and we'll just ah, we'll just show up, we'll just show up, and we'll do something, and then we'll leave. We won't see each other for a month. We'll come back and we'll do it again. I'm like, this isn't working. Right. Like, we can't do this. Like, right. we got to have a schedule. We've got to have a purpose. We've got to have a reason. We've got to have, like, we, and that's where, like, the business side, the practical side's like, let's hash this stuff out. Yeah. Simple things like this. We. It sounds stupid, but what's our mission? What's our mission statement here? What's our goal? What are we trying to do? You know, what's our vision? You know, what are we, what, what's, 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 what's surrounding us? What's keeping, what's binding all of this together? And it, it, what are, yeah, what are our goals? What are we working towards here? And what's our plan? How are we supposed to? How are we going to get from where we are now to where we are there? And if we establish that stuff and we say that right out the gate, this is what we're trying to do. You said it. It's kind of like when things don't go right. If someone's doing something wrong, something awful. You have an awful work environment, but a leader stands up and goes, "We have an awful work environment, and here's why." Everyone can kind of be like, "Cool." It's not a mystery. It's Someone not this, addressed it. It's not this shadow looming around like we've acknowledged that there's something in here. So we've acknowledged it. Now let's make it better. Right. It's the same thing. Like if we can establish this is the good that we want to do. This is the things that we want to accomplish. These are the goals that we want to hit. It's out there. Like we've said it. Now it's like are you buying it or not? Are you in or are you out? Because we're going to need everyone involved in this to basically take us to where we want to go. Sure. If you just sort of like, eh, cool, we're here. And that's kind of what the fun of – the art of that sort of comedic stuff is. But I also, and I kind of noticed this, this is going to sound so pretentious and arrogant, but fuck it, I'm going to say it anyway. Like Columbia College, uh, when I was going there, I saw so many people that were like, yeah, I'm a film student. Yeah, I'm an actor. And I'm just like, you guys are lazy as fuck. You guys are not doing a goddamn thing. You're not, you're just, you're barely showing up. But you're like, yeah, I'm an artist. I'm like, holy shit. 
if you just put in the goddamn effort, if you put in that effort and tried really hard and focused, your outcome on this would be tremendous. That's why someone like Chris Charles, who was on here recently, I respect the fucking shit out of him because he went hard, mm-hmm. hard, and still is going hard at the film stuff. And I've seen the fruits of his labor and the shit that he's learned, the things he's experienced, the people he's met, the reputation that he has is that he's a hard worker and he's a man of his word. And that's hard to do. That's hard to achieve. And he's done that by example, by producing results. And I'm like, here's a guy who worked his ass off because I knew him when he was still in Columbia College. Mm -hmm. And he worked his ass off. He got to work on his feature film. He did other films. He wrote and did all this sort of stuff. I'm like, holy shit, he's working with, you know, Stacy Keach, he's working with Frank Vincent, he's working with all these guys who I see kind of like these character actors. I'm like, ah, Chris, Chris worked with that guy. That guy stayed at the hotel because he pulled strings to get him a suite, and I met him at the front desk. And I'm that's like, awesome. that's what this guy's doing. And so many people are like, aren't they? Were like me. They were like, yeah, this is fun, but they don't realize what it really takes. Right. What the actual be, grind looks if like. If you want to make that a career, what is that going to take? It's going to sure. take everything you have. It's going to take every answer you have because you love to do it more than anything else. You want to, you love it and you're passionate. Right. And you're willing to just do whatever that takes. And I kind of see that in the comedy world as well, which is frustrating to me because I see people that are really fucking talented. Oh, there's been plenty of people. So talented. And yeah. you're like, Jesus, you're amazing. But they're like, eh. They're right. And just like, whatever here, whatever there. When I wonder, there's part of me that wonders if that is. Um if that's the because uh, because it kind of goes along the mindset of well that's uh, when you're creative you're aloof you know like that that kind of there's there is that that concept of you know oh you're a creative person you're you're all helter skelter and you're you're not tied down in your ske- schedule what's a schedule waka waka but I wonder if that is Fozzie Bear everybody more uh, I wonder if that's more stereotype than it is. Like, do people feed into that because it's a stereotype? Well, that's what I was going to wonder because... Or is that really how their brain is wired? I think that there can be hybrids. Like, I kind of consider myself a hybrid, but I think I'm more on the practical side. Sure. To a detriment in that sort of regard. But I am also very creative. But I feel like so much of that stuff, like, if you want to be really good, like, you obviously have... I feel like you have to have a good balance. Yeah. Because if you look at someone like... Or you surround yourself with people... Who balance you out? Sure, because that's why that's why so ma- I'm, uh, that's why so many artists have handlers. Yeah, or surround themselves with a team because they <clears throat> they're so focused on just pumping out as much creative content as they can. Yeah, be it a musician who is you know they're writing an album and they're uh, conceptualizing of a, a concert and they're doing interviews and they're also this and that and the other thing and. They have all this stuff going on, and they just don't have time to organize it. So they've got their people, you know, mm-hmm. and they've got their their what what some people view as the crazy demands, you know. Sure, you need that stuff to normalize. Like when you're when you're operating at that high of a level, and everyone is expecting so much from you. I think you kind of you need that. You need someone yeah. to help ground you a little bit, and you need someone to help focus you. And you might need some really weird shit just to make you feel normal, you know. Yeah. I think I think yeah I just I think I think it kind of might be built into the personality. Well, it's interesting too because like I remember listening to uh, uh, Maynard Keenan from the lead singer of Tool. Sure, and he was on Joe Rogan podcast, and he was talking about you know how long it takes for a Tool album to get made, and he goes, "FYI, I'm the last part of that process." He goes, "I don't write lyrics or put melodies together until those guys." 
have everything done. Really? He goes, so I'm always, he goes, I check with him on, in with him on a regular basis. He goes, sometimes I got to go in there and be like, hey, fuckers, like, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. He goes, Cause, because I can't do anything until they're done. He goes, but I also respect yeah. that they have a process. They have certain things that they have to go through to get inspired, to put it together. But he talked about how one time they sent him the stuff, and he goes, is this done? Is it done? Can I write? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wrote all this stuff, and then they later on they're like, actually, we changed some stuff, and he just had to throw it all out. Throw out everything he had done and be like, come <laughs> back to me sucks. when it's done yeah. so that I can keep going. But that's that's also a guy who understands his band. Yeah, yeah, He's like, and that's why he's like, he can't sit there either. Like, he's the kind of person he has to do stuff, so that's why he, he does Perfect Circle. He has a goddamn winery. Uh, I think he, he may have bought a jiu-jitsu school because yeah. he's also a jiu-jitsu guy. There you go. Like, this guy does a bunch of different shit because he's like, I can't just sit and wait. Like, I have to do these other things. So to understand, like, that's a guy that also has b- good business acumen, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, John Bon Jovi is another guy. I mean, he, he invested in, I think, the Patriots or something or whatever. Like, okay. He, whatever. Like, he, there's some guys that obviously do have both. Um, there's some folks that do have both. And I think you need to have both because you need to be smart enough to be like, this is what makes sense business-wise, but I'm also creative enough to generate that sort of stuff. So I think a healthy balance of both. But I think that's a great question because I don't know if that's common or not. I don't know if it is just a generalization or a stereotype or because I've met plenty of those people that fit that stereotype. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. You're this wonderful, creative, amazing person. But but your life is so disorganized. Right. I'm like, how do you function? On well, a regular basis. If they're creating to the level, because I think there's a level that you hit <clears throat> where, like, you know, where you're, you, you, you're a person of note. Like, mm-hmm. like I hesitate to use the word celebrity, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it, when you hit that celebrity status, when you're creating at that level and you've got that many potential projects in the fire that could actually come to fruition, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of people who are like, well, I've got a couple things that I'm working on. You know, in in kind of in our level of of the world, where yeah. none of it may ever happen. But yeah. like when you hit a certain level, you can have nine things in the works, and all nine of them may come come to happen. You know, yeah. come to pass. But um, I think when you get to that that point of success, I think it does become a self fulfilling prophecy because I do think you are having to do so much, constantly pump out stuff and be on and you know yada yada yada. That I think you are you are just that disorganized because there's no way a human could, you know, operate at that high of a creative level and then still like just go like mm, I've got a doctor's appointment at three thirty. Like, yeah, it, I don't think your brain works that. I, but when yeah. you're when you're someone that is more on our level, I I feel like that maybe unless you're creating at an insane pace, I think it's just disorganized. I think it's. Partial laziness, but partial disorganization. Yeah. But again, it could, it, there, physiologically, there could be something in the brain of a creative that just the organization part of it isn't firing as, as much as the, the the right brain, left brain type of argument. You Which know? I heard the right brain, left brain stuff is all bullshit. Yeah. Well, I mean, but. But I know what you're saying. There are, I don't think you can, I don't have the science to back it up, but I think it'd be hard you to don't argue. You science on mind gap. I don't think it'd be hard to argue that brains are wired differently. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like right brain, left brain thing aside, the concept of sure. a brain being wired more in this capacity or a brain being wired in more of this capacity. Yeah. You know, I think there may be something too, just physiologically, that's not how well, I think a lot you of operate. It's personality stuff too. Yeah. You know, I think that works into it. Just, you know, I, I've known, you know, I think I've told this story before, but there was a girl in, uh, when I was in college, 
uh, his Division Three track and field, and just naturally oh. awesome at throwing the shot put. Yeah, incredible. Went to nationals, barely. She did like half of the form that you're supposed to do, <laughs> and she just went to nationals and, and meddled and placed. And she did that, and then and there was this other girl who was working her ass off and could not get to compete because she just couldn't throw far enough. Right. And this girl that was awesome eventually was like, I'm just going to quit and, and join a sorority. Just quit. And I was like, you're so good at this. What do you mean you're going to quit? And she's like, I just I don't really want to do it. I'm right. like, but you're, you're so good. And she, but I realized also, I'm like, if she doesn't want to do it, this isn't fun to her, then why bother? You know what I mean? It just sucks to yeah. see someone who's just naturally good yeah. at that, but they're like, nah. It's not, it's not my thing. It's like and to see the person literally right next to him going like, I wish I could do. I'm putting in all this work. I'm trying to be right. good, but I can't because I'm just not naturally gifted. Well, we talked about that, yeah. I think, on the uh, the God-given talent versus yeah. learned talent versus earned talent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of it, too, is because, I mean, especially when it comes to comedy, there is some natural stuff that comes with it. Timing. Yeah. Um, just having understanding of... Um, I guess what is funny to you, right? And uh, well, how to relate, how to make it relatable, sure. Because like like we've talked about one of my biggest hiccups in trying to write stand up, which I would still love at some point to do, but uh, one of the biggest hiccups I have is getting over the mental block of you're standing up in a room full of people and you've got to make all of them understand and relate to a common, a shared experience. You something that has happened to you. Or something that you're thinking, you've got to get them on board with that, and them going, "I get that. Mm-hmm. That is really fucking hard to do." So yeah. yeah, and like I told you, you told a story the other day, the other night at our little barbecue. Hang on to that story. There's comedy there, Justin. Mind that. I totally don't remember which one I told. <laughs> it was You'll the, have to tell me off mic. I don't it was remember the McDonald's it. story. Okay. Gracias. Oh right. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. yeah. You got to mind that. All that's, right, yeah. that's a story that people can relate to. Sure. Yeah. Put that in your pocket. Everyone. A little inside joke for all you guys listening. Hope that was helpful. Funny, right? Because I find stories are the best thing. Like if you can tell a really good story that I think that's part of it too. Right. What's the story that you can tell? Right. Like that makes sense. And cause I, I mean, I've listened to people tell stories and I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> just end. There's an art story. to storytelling. 100%. You got to know what details to put in there, mm-hmm. what ones to leave out, which ones do you accentuate. How do you know what the punchline, if it's a funny story, is? Like, right. If you know what that is, what are the elements that build up to it? And I think that's those are the natural building blocks for comedy and stand-up and improv yeah. because you know those natural beats and what can make a situation funny, and it's hard. Improv is hard because you're building it from scratch out there in the open. You're right. like, we're trying to establish who we are, and we're not just talking about what we're doing. Like We're trying to you know, have some pretty amazing moments. You know, whereas when it comes to stand up and sketch, like you're writing that stuff out in advance, you're trying to find that thing and tell that story a certain way. And oh my God, there's there's a we have a talent show at my company. You do? Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know if I never told you about this. I don't feel like you have. Um, there's the a, only thing I can think of is Scrubs right now. <laughs> That's how show. Um. At one point, I was going to do an improv bit. Well, actually, it wasn't improv. It was a sketch bit with Jamie Yates because she used to work there, and she was on my team, oh, and we were going to do this amazing yes. bit. Um, she told me – I can't remember. She referenced some British show, some British comedy show, which I was like – I remember I've no, I, the IT crowd? Or the it, was, crowd? It, was, it was nothing like that at all, but she was like – Like it's very on, obscure? She's like, it's on Netflix. Watch this episode. She goes, because halfway through it, you're going to see the thing that we're going to do. 
And what it was um, was halfway through it. It was was it older or newer? Like, did it look like it was blatantly from the early nineties? Uh, I couldn't tell because it's that British, you know, TV look to it. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I can't even remember really what was going on uh, in it, but all I know is was there was this stage. They were having some sort of performance, and this was it, uh, Mr. Bean. It was not Mr. Bean. Um, and this ballerina comes out on stage and she's dancing, and in the background there is a mirror or what looks like a mirror. And as she's dancing, all of a sudden, this very uh, middle-aged, a little bit overweight lady who's kind of like one of the main characters Uh is like the mirror image, and she's trying to replicate what the ballerina is doing. Okay. And what was going to happen is Jamie was going to be the ballerina, and I was going to be her mirror image, and I was going to be in a tutu and everything, and I was going to come out, and whatever she was going to be doing, I was going to be doing also, so it was all physical comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No words spoken or anything like that. But the problem was... Was it absolutely fabulous? It was not absolutely Fuck. fabulous. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, I see him type, he's like, I'm going to figure out what this is. I, have, I, couldn't, I couldn't even give you any other descriptors. <laughs> but um, we couldn't do it because the stage itself, you would have seen me beforehand, and that would have ruined what it was. So we yeah. decided not to do it. But the whole point of that was there's a guy who does stand-up. Now, there's one guy who did it, and this is crazy. He was a temp. Was it Flesh and Bone? I don't think so. Was it Breaking Point? I don't think so. Dance Academy? I don't think so. Was it Billy Elliot? <laughs> it was not Billy Elliot. <laughs> was it Blandings? No. Wait. Was it Skins? It may have been Blandings. Blandings? I don't know. I don't know. He's <laughs> saying all those things like, maybe. This is a great story. There was a guy that was a temp. At our at our place, and for the talent show, he came up and did an awesome stand up set. Okay, he got a job because of the stand up set. He was making some awesome jokes about coming in and being a temp. Wow, and stuff like that, and people were like, "This guy's awesome!" And <laughs> now he's flourished at that company. That's insane. So cool. There's another guy who did a stand up set, and I was like, "I'm leaving before he gets up there. I can't do this." Like this. Is Wait, good. you didn't even see his set? I refuse. Just you know the guy. I know the guy, and I'm like. Just so you, I was telling everybody, just so you all know, I'm leaving before this happens. I cannot, I cannot watch this. And it went exactly as I thought it would go. Oh, no. A lot of people were like, it was awful. Oh, no. It was terrible. And I was like, here's a guy <laughs> who, God bless him, is going up and doing, I think, I think he was doing like 10 minutes. Oh, my God. Right. What? And I was like, God bless him. He's giving it a shot. No. But he does not understand comedy. Oh. And it was like, oh, that's so rough, it was like, man. oh no, <gasps> Abby, that's so rough. And I was just like, I'm not going to, I, I can't. And it's just that's the thing that's tough. And you and I kind of experienced this. And I'm not better than them, but we experienced people that did not have that comedy timing. Oh yeah, absolutely. That comedic pool to pull from, so to speak. But they tried, and I think that's awesome that people tried because right. they should. Right. I recommend improv to anybody. Yeah. Do at least one class. Absolutely. Get those, Get figure out what that's like because it's so beneficial. Yeah. But it's also frustrating to play with people who don't have that same skill level. Right. Because when it comes to beginning level stuff, whatever it is, it is. Like, I'm not going to blame anyone for necessarily being, you know, bad at something because they're learning. Like, yeah. they're getting that stuff. It doesn't, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's a certain point in time, though, like maybe you do it for a year, maybe two years, and you're like, okay, I can't go back to beginner level again. 
Like I just can't because it's too hard, right, to see it happen. Right. I did that. I I did A through E at Second City. I did I O that whole program, and then I went back to Second City and did the writing program, started from scratch, and then we were doing like some improv in those classes. And I realized that most of the people in the room have ne- had never done improv before, and it was unbearable. It's a little rough. Unbearable to watch. Yeah. I was sympathetic because I was like, I get it. Like, you don't know what you're doing. And I was exactly where were you? I remember the first scene I did with dialogue, it was garbage. Right. It was dog shit, and I hated every second of it. But to sit there and watch the scene where the, the teacher was like, all right, guys, um, so here's the situation. Uh, this person's a detective, and you know you're at the scene of the crime. Okay, go. And this guy goes, "Why are you here? Like, Who? Nope. Uh, all he did was ask questions. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, make it stop! Someone stop this this guy! It's it's too much! It's too terrible!" Well, I I know people who have gone through A through E mm-hmm. at Second City and then repeated it mm-hmm. and done A through E again. I'm like, how how could you possibly do that? Like starting at that that base 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 ground level and i understand there i understand some of the benefit you can mine out of that mm-hmm. because you know like you you've got an understanding of what the whole program is trying to teach you then you go back through and take it but man the, like stuff like that where you're just like oh guys you've got so much to learn like oh no 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 i remember going from <laughs> second city to io and io's yeah. program is definitely starts you at like level D of second city, which is most of the way through the program and goes from there. So I felt like even though that first level, we were still kind of, I was still learning something and going, but after I got through with IO, I'm like, uh, uh, (laughs) no, can't do it again. Cause that's when I went back to writing. I was like, Oh no, uh, I I've never written before. So I'm this part of it. Totally. I'm all about help. I'm a beginner here. I'm, I'm open to that. But when it comes to beginner level, level improv, I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, nope. Like I was like, I will be your awesome partner. I will support the shit out of you. But I was like, this is going to be really hard for me to act against because, goddamn, like, you're fucking killing me. I'm sorry for burping right there. (laughs) I mean, that's how passionate you were. Goddamn, you're fucking killing And it just sucks because, especially when you're doing something creative, it'd be like someone who has two years of guitar experience starting to jam with someone who has, like, one month. Right. And you'd just be like, oh, man, man, uh, I'm, 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 I'm. Follow me here. Yeah. It's it's difficult. It's it's frustrating in that sort of regard. But not to say that you shouldn't go and do gonna, it if you're if you're curious. I was going to say this does not sound like a glowing endorsement from you to go try it. You're like just I don't just, talk to me yeah. until you're you at can my do level. It, but when you're at my level, fuck you. No, no I. But you got to take into consideration their side of it too, because yeah. I've been that person who is is worse at the guitar. Oh. Most people I play guitar with, I'm that person, oh, and in it's. Like I'm, I don't, I don't want to upset. I'm like, oh man, this probably isn't fun. Like I'm so self confident, self conscious, yeah, about that. And so as an improver too, oh yeah, you know the people who are just starting off, they see you come out and they're probably going, this guy's got it nailed, man. Oh man, I so, like so you've got to take it from the other oh, standpoint 100%. too. Is like, it's it's really not easy to to play off of someone who has had that experience either as well. Well. I would say it's easier for to play off someone who has experience than vice versa, but that's not the point. I would argue it's 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 not easier. It's a different 
it's a different experience. Oh, 100%. Because yeah. you're like, I'm sorry that I suck. Yeah, you're, like, you're so in your head <laughs> about it that you're just like, I'm yeah. not having fun with this because I'm so, yeah. I'm just, I'm ruining this for everyone. Oh, exactly. Like, you start to get down on yourself. And that's another pitfall of being a creative is that you're just down oh, on yourself. You're yeah. constantly like, is this good enough? Is, right. You know, and whatever. And like I said, when I was going through that, especially in the writing program, I'm like, I got you. Like, right, right. No pro- and same thing when I started IO, I could tell this was some people's, very first improv experience, there were people that lasted two classes, never came back. Sure. Ever. They were done. Or but four classes. That or one class. I right. saw one person show up for one and then never show up again. I just remember like we were doing stuff at I.O. the first time and I was sitting there just going, I got you. Yeah. Like in my mind, I'm like, don't worry. Right. If this is your first day. We'll get through this together. I got you covered. Yeah. I'm going to support the shit out of you. Right. Don't worry about it. And that was no big deal. It's just... If you're looking to create something, mm-hmm. you're looking to establish something on your own, you've got to be with the people that are your peers in that sort of regard. Oh, absolutely. And, and that was, absolutely. I think, what was frustrating is because I was going into that school mode again and being at a different level, as pretentious and arrogant as that sounds, it's difficult because it's like, okay, cool. Now partner up with this person. I'm like, all right, cool. What do you want to do? And it's like, we're not on the same wavelength, which was good because yeah. – I got some awesome stuff from some of those people, but I was nervous doing it because I'm like, where's this going to go? Like, yeah. Where are we going to be here? And are you going to be as open? Because I'm very open right now right. because I've been doing this for two plus years at right. that point in time. I'm like, we'll fucking do whatever we need to do. Let's improv it out. I'm like, but do you, are you comfortable with that? You know, I, I'm trying do to make you, sure that they're okay. Are you ready to go through the weirdness that we need to go through in order to get to the gold on the other side? Exactly. Yeah. Like that's the stuff that's, you know, and, and we came up with some awesome ideas out of that sort of yeah. stuff. And it was really cool. It was really cool, too, to see this woman in particular got the bug, the comedy She bug. just latched on to it. Because she, she was also doing improv at the yeah, same time. Yeah. And I just, I remember seeing her the term after we were done. She goes, I just had my level C show. It was awesome. I like, I love improv. I that's could do this. Awesome. I'm like, you're doing exactly what I did. And it's so cool to see this happen. That's beautiful. And man. that's one of the reasons why I'd love to teach improv. Yeah. Is if I could instill that magic on someone's life sure. and see them go, Oh my God. Like, yeah, just have help them op- unlock that door. That's there that yeah. they've just been like closed because I'm scared. And most people aren't supposed to be this way. You're not supposed to be this open right. and this expressive and this imaginative. Cause it's, people think it's weird because no one else is playing along with you. But now you're in a, you're in a room with all those people who are interested in doing that. And I'm like, Holy shit. Improv makes total sense. Yeah. Like, we're all doing the exact same thing together. We're all being fucking stupid. This is awesome. <laughs> like, that was like the realization for me. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. We're all doing the same thing. You know, do you know what else happens in a room when everyone's together? A throwdown. And sometimes only one person walks out. Sometimes it's two people enter and one leaves. <laughs> Generally, that's how it goes. Generally. It's yeah. a throwdown. Thank you, Mario. Dun, 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 dun. Ah. Uh, I don't know if we've done this one before. Okay. Um, but because based off of some the adult decision I made a few uh, weeks ago, um, this this sparked into my head. And tell me if we've done this before, because okay. uh, it sounds for the more I thought about it, the more familiar it sounded. Uh, this week, I don't know if you've seen the movie, but this week I wanted to do Dread vs. Dread. Have we done a double Dread throwdown? I think we've done Dread, but I don't think we've done Dread versus Dread. Who did we do Dread vs? Was it RoboCop? Maybe RoboCop. I don't think because I this don't one. want to repeat it. Fuck it, we're doing it. I know we've done Dread versus yeah. someone. Yeah, I don't think it was Dread versus Dread. But I stayed up and I watched Dread, not Judge Dread. Dread. Oh, what did you think? It was good. Yeah, 
But I watched it on basic cable. Oh. So I was up till like 2 in the morning. Oh. I was up till 2.50. Here's what happened. Okay. I was watching TV. I was laying down. I was comfy. And I was like, oh, Dread's on. I've never seen the whole movie. <laughs> it was on IFC. So I'm like, well, they'll mm-hmm. swear. So I can get more of it than I could. Mm-hmm. So I watched it and I was really pale. I was I was fading. I'm like, gotta stay up. Gotta stay up. Gotta stay up. Gotta stay up. That's how you want to watch a movie. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, you could go to bed and order this anytime for probably like six bucks. And you're like, yeah, but it's on right. Be now. done with it. And I'm like, yeah, but it's on. You're here. And then so it ended at two. Now, mind you, I say I stayed up till two fifty because what came up next was Ghost Rider. Oh Jesus! And I was like. I'm comfy, and the remote's over there. Eh. No way. <laughs> and That's then like finally, bedtime. And then finally, after you know, 15 minutes, which was only probably like 15 minutes of the actual movie, I went, nah, I'm done. <laughs> I got up and I went to bed. But I did I did enjoy it. The one weird thing I thought, because it was at uh, Keith or Kyle Urban? Keith? Uh, Carl. Carl Urban. I thought it was weird that he never took the helmet off. I was fully expecting at some point, I'm like, we're going to see his full face. Didn't. And I thought he tried a little too hard to frown the yeah. whole time, because that actually pulled me out. I was like, I was watching. I'm like, he feels like he's like purposely food. Like yeah. I was like, is he doing a sly mouth? Like what is he doing? Other than that, well, it's funny. I thought it was an interesting concept. In Sly's version, it. that was what people criticized the most because he barely wore the helmet in the comics. He's always wearing his helmet. Oh, that's fair. Okay, and they're like this is bullshit. This is Hollywood horseshit. They're like, well, we paid for this actor. We need to see their face. I did not realize that. So Dread was a very faithful adaptation okay. of that universe, which was really cool. And what I loved is the stakes were small. Right. It was this one apartment complex. It was a small thing. It wasn't. The world. The world right. was going to end. It was a very isolated sort of situation, and it, I thought it was really well shot. It was yeah. a great plot. Um, it was very fun. It was yeah. a fun movie. I was like, oh, cool. This is like what Dread should have been. Yeah. The ending felt slightly anticlimactic to mm-hmm. me. Uh, I thought there could have been something a little a, a little more like, whoa, for him, but... I mean, I got what the why the ending was what it was, and I thought, yeah, I thought it was, I I thought it was a good movie. I would give it a solid B, yeah. solid B plus. Agreed. Like, it's, like, yeah. it's definitely something I'd watch again, and I wouldn't hesitate to own it either. Like if I it was a deal, sure, was it like five yeah, bucks, maybe or I'd, I'd pick it up. And sure, be like, yeah, absolutely. So I want to do Dread versus Dread. Cool. Judge Dread versus Dread. Well, I feel like Dread would be more tactical. Than Sly's Dread. He does seem, Sly's Judge Dread seemed a little more, let's kick the door in and just do this. It seemed a little more 90s action, which it was. Yes. In fairness. And, um. Not a little more. It was full 90s action. He also, like, Dread's costume made more sense than Sly's. Sly's was like this ridiculous shoulder armor for some reason. Yeah. He's like, you know what we need to protect? Shoulders. Right. It's my Achilles heel. You know, it's my Achilles shoulder. If you shoot the shoulder, I go down. I go down. I self-destruct. Like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> um, uh, I, I also think uh, Dread does not have uh, you know, a sidekick. Well, he does have a sidekick with him, and she's got psychic powers. She's a mutant. Right, but we're not talking about sidekicks. I'm just saying. Right. She's, he's got that, and what does Sly have? He's got Deuce Bigelow. As his sidekick. True. But again, it's not about the sidekicks. I'm just saying. It's one-on-one yeah. dreads. The sidekicks have already been killed. I'm just saying. These are the things that Dread has in his we favor could versus put, Sly. We could put dread sidekick against Wait, no, Judge Dredd's sidekick, and we could do a whole different thread on with that. Yeah, I'm just saying. Obviously, Rob Schneider wins that one. I'm just saying it It, it shows a poor taste and judgment. To have, I don't feel like Judge Dredd chose Rob Schneider. I, what, Rob Schneider chose him? 
<laughs> yes. You don't. No one chooses Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider chooses you. I. Well, he decides to use him and, and continue using him. You know, once he's a third away in the movie, and he's sure. like, "We got to stick together, buddy. We got to get in back into Mega City, and then they hang out and whatever." Like, yeah, I, but they they he ended up. I mean, I can't think of a specific example, <laughs> but he ended up helping him at some help. points. So he did. Without him, he would have been lost. Just lost. <laughs> I don't know if he would have been lost. Because Deuce Bigelow was a huge problem. For he him. was, but man, did he did he lighten that movie up? <laughs> yeah, something like that. So I'm saying poor judgment there yeah. on Sly's part. So that's that 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 puts everything he does. Sure, he's like, well, I would say I would say most most things that Sly is in. If you put them one on one, I'm probably going to give the edge to Sly just mm-hmm. because physicality wise, he's obviously bigger than Carl. He is obviously bigger, but Carl's more tactical. And I'll give you, yeah. So I, so think I feel like from Carl's, a physicality wise, yeah. I think Sly's got him on the if it if it if it. But Carl's also been in some pretty badass movies too. He was in Lord of the Rings. He was in Chronicles of Riddick. Right. Um, well, I'm not saying he's not a badass. Yeah. I'm just saying I I think Sly's physically Sly's got him. But I think tactically, Dread has Judge Dread. I feel like Dread is going to put himself in a position where he's going to have the upper hand, right? And Sly is going to be like, "I am the law," and, and then he's going to be then, like, "Me too." You're dead. And then he goes, "I am the law," because it was slightly different delivery, <laughs> yeah. but the same line. Yeah. And, um, and I also, I also feel like uh, there is a little bit more of a cold, calculating nature to Dread. Yeah. Than there was to Judge Dredd. So I do feel like Judge Dredd would, yeah, I feel like he'd suffer at the hands of of, of, a, of a tactical mind. Yeah. You know, someone yeah. who has that experience who's a little more cold calculating, it's really just, it's ones and zeros to him. That's yeah. all it is. It's just Sly, and I'm sure, I know Sly, they were both pulling from the same source material. Yes. But Sly's version was just not as. But let me ask you this, though. Do you blame him or do you blame the 90s? Because I, I kind of blame the '90s. Well, I definitely like the, the '90s. Also, murdered Spawn, as far as I'm concerned. So you know, right? And Daredevil, or although that was 2000s, yeah, yeah. still. But it's one of those things where I absolutely they didn't understand what a comic book movie was. Right? They didn't know how to adapt it. It was shitty. It was basically Demolition Man. Sure. It was almost the exact. It was very similar in a lot Naturally. of those ways. Um, but still, the representation of Dread versus this version of Dread. I feel like this version of Dread is much more in line with that character and I found him to be much more devastating. Yeah. In that than in Judge Dredd. Yeah. Because Judge Dredd it was like Yeah, he killed people, sure. But what he was up against was also a bunch of nineties villains who were, you know, whatever. Right. And I feel like the version of Dredd, comparatively if we're make, if we're saying based on the worlds in which they were created, I he feel went like Dredd Dredd went through a lot more, was was much more devastating than Sly's version was in his world. Dread for the win! Call Urban for the win! I love how you called him Keith Urban originally. I didn't know. I knew like, it was Urban. Keith Urban? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the guy that says, sings Lonely Keith Roads. Keith Urban? Yeah. S- Sammy Urban? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. James Urban? James Urban? Yeah. Yeah. Urban? Urban? Urban Urban? <laughs> Urban Urban. Tina Urban? Oh, shit. Tina Urban? Sounds like a porn star name. Yeah. <laughs> Whole different kind of dread. Oh, shit. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening. You can find Mind Gap on Facebook. We have a page there. Uh, please come visit. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what version of Dread you think would win. And let us know if there is something you've been obsessed with that you started out being obsessed with and then sort of like tapered off and why. What happened? 
Because you know what? You, you can still bring it back. It happens. It happens. You can also find us on Twitter at MindGapPodcast. And somewhere in the ether that's on the internet, uh, Justin exists. You can find me online at JustinStrandland.com. I'm still trying to figure out what to do with that website. Also on Twitter and Instagram. At Welcome to JustinUrban.com. I think that might have to be just me and cowboy hats. <laughs> Is on Twitter and Instagram at Justin underscore Michael spelled M I K E L. Uh, follow me on there. Uh, don't request me on Facebook. I will not friend you. I've had a few people who have been trying to friend me on Facebook. I'm sure you're lovely people. I won't do it. I'm a nice person. Friend me on Facebook. There you go. You can find Doug on Facebook. <laughs> no, I'm but, telling you, you need to friend me on Facebook. Those are my requests. Oh. You need to put a shirt on in your photos because that's just off-putting. Doug, I need a resume. I need a resume and three references. <laughs> Shit. Um, Those three references try to add you as a friend. <laughs> yeah, no, not going to happen. Twitter and Instagram. Uh, <laughs> while you're in the online realm, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. Review us. Uh, leave a review. Subscribe. Let us know if you love us. And if you don't love us, let us tell us you love us. Lie to us. We're okay being lied to. That's where most of my... Uh, it's where most of my relationships end is in the lies. Um, but no, lie to me. Uh, start there and we'll see where it goes. Maybe I'll friend you on Facebook Ooh. if you read a review. That's a lie. See? Ta-da! <laughs> uh, no, we do really appreciate it when you guys leave feedback and stuff uh, and subscribe to us. Obviously, it pushes us up the rankings and allows us to do a lot of cool, fun stuff more so than we are able to do currently. And we've yeah. got some fun stuff coming up. Yes. Hopefully, um, more on that later. Uh, com slash mindgap and com slash the best bar podcast ever are two, uh, the two sites where you can check out the two pages where you can check out the two podcasts yeah. I'm a part of. Guys, it comes out tomorrow. I'm going to go see it. Let me know what you think. What if comes you out tomorrow? It. Yeah, but what? It. Right. It, it comes we're out doing, tomorrow. We're doing a bit, aren't we? Yeah. I don't like this bit at all. Don't do shtick. Sorry, it. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> don't make jokes. Uh, it comes out tomorrow, guys. I'm super pumped. If you're going to go see it, let me know what you think. Um, I, I really, I hope it's good. I, I'm super pumped. I feel like this is going to be good, although I haven't seen any reviews yet, so I'm kind of scared for the wrong reason. But I'm going to go see it. Let me know what you think, guys. Can't wait to talk Don't to you Don't be like the Pennsylvania police and be scared of balloons. Ooh, that's an inside joke. Check it out, guys. Go download the Associated Press app and look under the oddities section. Yeah, oddities. Guys, have a great week. We will see you next time. Mind Gap Podcast.